Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Stop up. It. Pop pass up in the middle. Got Parker's it. got it. Ruby run. 15, 10. Hit, hit in. Gregory touchdown. The Bills make me wanna stop. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. In go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing in the miss. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Heard, 96.5 FM, Heard, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, via the ESPN app, rainy day in the queue, so if you're not out listening to us walking the dog or... Enjoying the sunshine as usual. As we've had great weather as of late. You might be uh, more indoors. You might just have the phone by your side and it's saying, Hey, hey, psst, hey, there's an app on here. Guess what happens on this app? You can listen to On the Block wherever you go. Except the bathroom. That's kind of gross. Like maybe, I mean, come on. We all bring the phone in the bathroom once in a while, right? I, I mean, not that I do that. Not that, I, or not that you do that, but... Point being, it's there for you. It's easy to find. And those are all great ways to take in the show. Those are all terrific ways to listen to a, a an audio experience. That's what this is, right? This is an audio forum. But, uh, but wait, there's more. Now you're intrigued, right? Is this one of those infomercials? I mean, kind of. It's to inform you, in case you haven't been a part of this, of QSportsTalk.com, an amazing place where you can watch a radio show in action, including this one where you can chat throughout the show, get your opinions in there as much as you'd like. You don't even have to talk about what we're talking about. This is America, darn it. And you can post about whatever you want. It's nice when you're commenting on what we're commenting on, but if you guys just want to go in there and, like, literally we get people sharing recipes and stories and getting advice about projects they're doing around the house, and it's just like a little community in there. So join the community. All are welcome. Right? Come on in. Talk sports. And the great thing about it is now you can call 437-7644. You can hit me on Twitter, but you're at Brent Axe Media. You're kind of doing that once or twice, right? You call, it's over. You kind of have to wait to the next day. You tweet a couple of times. Maybe I see it. Maybe I don't. In the chat, like, you can get in there as much as you'd like. It's a free-flowing conversation. So that's cool. And the other cool thing about it, continue the infomercial theme. If you act now. Absolutely free. We'll throw this in. When the radio audience goes to commercial breaks, our friends on QSportsTalk.com do not, as we keep the mics on and, and give you your own conversation. Now, we have this show on QSportsTalk.com, Orange Nation, of course, but don't forget about uh, the Devo show with Eric uh, Devendorf and Chris Joseph. It's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 10 a.m. 
And, of course, there's a heavy tilter on Syracuse basketball. And tomorrow's show, make sure you tune in tomorrow because both Buddy and Jimmy Beheim are going to hang with Eric Devendorf, Chris Joseph, I believe, Paulie Sibilia. We like to call him Paul. Jim Beheim likes to call him Paul. Hangs in studio, and it is all that we said, the all-encompassing experience at QSportsTalk.com. So tomorrow, 10 a.m., Jimmy Beheim, Buddy Beheim, with Eric Devendorf, Chris Joseph, and Paul Sibilia on the Devo Show. And that's just uh, a slice, if you will, of what you get on QSportsTalk.com. Right? Right? No? 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 I thought I'd give it a shot. Well, what's happening on this program, no matter where you're taking it in today? Always a pleasure to welcome in the one and only John Jastrzemski. He will join us next hour, about 525 or so, the New York sports guru from the Ringer Podcast Network, the New York, New York podcast. You can see him on your televisions frequently through the week on SNY as well, and the Syracuse alum. What a time to be a New York sports fan. And that hasn't always been something you say in a positive light. Like when you say, man, what a time to be a New York sports fan. There, <laughs> In recent years, that has not been fun. But the Yankees are the best team, not only in the American League, but in baseball. The Mets are the best team in the National League. The Rangers, yep, Tampa Bay bit back the other night, but still have a path to the Stanley Cup Final. We know one half of that, of course, with Colorado winning another insane hockey game, which I'm sure get up in first take, spent many segments discussing today, right, Stephen A.? So guess what? Goodbye! So we will get into that later in the show, but J.J. will cover all angles there. Yankees, Mets, Rangers, and all the New York sports you can handle. We'll do that a little bit later on in the show. I do want to get into this this golf tour, and it's, it's, how can I, there's just so many emotions that come out of me. Like, it's fascinating, first of all. If you just look at it objectively, it is a fascinating split of what we're seeing in the professional golf world. This, this new tour that's heavily funded by the Saudi Arabian government, Phil Mickelson has been, you know, the main driver of that. But Dustin Johnson gets in some other names. There was awkward press conferences today and just everything this involves in a sport where, yes, some up and coming players are fighting for their card and just to stay on the tour. But the guys that are going over to this thing already have more money than they know what to do with. And they're doing this for the money and they're doing it and saying everything, but it's for the money. Just tell us it's for the money, and maybe more people will respect you. We will get into that a little bit later on. This Deshaun Watson story, as we'll discuss in Hot Takes. Remember, $230 million guaranteed for Deshaun Watson in a, in a league where guaranteed money doesn't always add up that high. just keeps getting stranger, weirder, and uh, not good for the National Football League. I mean, I don't think this guy's going to play this year. I think we're getting to the point where he will not play a football game. In 2022, if you're you're the Cleveland Browns, not good there. Saw some uh, interesting SU football stuff as we are in list preview and magazine season, right? But some good list preview and magazine stuff we'll get into as the show goes along. But I wanted to start with something, um, you know, I don't want to be that guy. But I'm going to be that guy here because these things strike me, and I wonder if they strike me as much as they strike you. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes comes from uh, the great American philosopher, Ferris Bueller, who once said, a life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And I feel like through the course of time and the passing on of generations, 
there are things that you know, but are they things that, but are they things that you truly appreciate? There are certain things ingrained in being a central New Yorker, living in Syracuse, New York, that you know that we all kind of unite around, right? We always joke around when somebody hits the bridge in Liverpool, salt potatoes, snow, Jim Beheim, dinosaur barbecue. I'm going to leave some stuff out here, but how to pronounce skinny Atlas correctly. Like there's just certain ingrained things that we know that we have pride in. So when you go out of town or somebody doesn't know or, you know, ask you about, well, what's, you know, Hey, you're from Syracuse. What's up with that? We're in the midst of the NBA finals right now. Celtics warriors in particularly the Celtics angle of So I don't want to give away all the details on this because I'm going to be writing a story about this, but let me just pull you into my world for a minute here. I spent today in a a a good part of my day in a small gym on the west side of Syracuse where the, the NBA as we know it, and this is not hyperbole, folks, the multi-billion dollar operation that the National Basketball Association has become was born in that gym would not be one could easily say what it is today and there were times think about it before magic and bird came along where the nba was on the brink of falling in on itself and professional basketball was you know the finals were on tape delay and there was a a a reputation within the league there was a drug problem in the league and before magic and bird came along and later jordan and, and essentially saved the league like it was in big trouble so the nba has had its ups and downs even since then but in this gym at the syracuse stem school blodgett middle school which is it's gone uh, uh, under a number of changes over the years the, the the building itself is over 100 years old and see that was part of it today cuz unless you know and somebody informs you that this gym where the ceiling tiles are missing they have Literal, like, you know, you go in an office, I'm looking at it right here in the ceiling in this building, there's like ceiling tiles. They actually have that in this gym, which, why would you have that in a a gym where, you know, basketballs and all sorts of things could go up there and knock some stuff off the ceiling, but they do. And it's an older gym, and think of those older gyms where literally, like, you're stepping on the court and you're like, man, how long has this court been here? And they, instead of on the walls, they don't have bleachers. It's a heater that wraps around the place. And you you know you're stepping back into time. And you're stepping into a place that is in major need of repair. It is in major need of an upgrade. It is in a major need to be modernized, which is a whole topic in and of itself. But on the basketball angle of this, what happened in this gym on August 10th, 1954, is they experimented with the shot clock. Red Arback was in that room, was in that gym. And some of you know this story, and it's it's kind of the bedtime story of basketball in Syracuse and, you know, what's more important sports-wise than basketball in Syracuse. And I think a lot of you know the story of how you know, Danny Byazone, who owned a bowling alley and was involved in the Syracuse Nationals, there were others involved in the idea and the formation of the shot clock. And a lot of them certainly deserve credit for it. But Danny Bison 
and Leo Ferris, and and I'm going to leave some names out here, but the reason they pushed for this thing was here they had a basketball team, an NBA basketball team in Syracuse, New York, which, again, that was a thing. That strikes me. It's like, yeah, we know, but to step back and think about how this this town had an NBA basketball team, an NBA basketball team that won the NBA title, the year after they implemented the shot clock, by the way, in 1955. It was a team that, I don't want to say revolutionized basketball, but the impetus of putting the shot clock in was the Nationals like to move fast. Here it is, 1955, right? They're, they're still playing with peach baskets in some places, but they wanted to move and go up and down the court and play basketball. But there were teams, and the New York Knicks were the uh, frustration of inspiration, I'll put it this way that really pushed Danny Byzone and those involved to push the league to put in the shot clock to pick up the pace because teams would hold on to the basketball. I mean, imagine basketball without the shot clock. It's one of the great innovations in sports history. You look at the, the history of the NBA, the actually forming the league itself, and the shot clock are significant moments in the evolution of that sport. I know I'm telling you a, a history lesson you already know, but in this gym where this happened, and NBA owners who were, by the way, in the NBA meetings in Syracuse, New York. Think of where NBA meetings take place now. Think of where NFL meetings take place now. It's some ritzy resort on the beach somewhere, probably in Florida, right? The NBA meetings that summer were here. Red Auerbach, who probably smoked a cigar, I would imagine, sat in that room with watching the Syracuse Nationals scrimmage some local players to figure out what this shot clock thing looked like in action. And it was trial and error. And Dolph Shays has told the story. God rest his soul. Danny Shays, I'm sure, told the story on these airwaves before. But Dolph Shays grew frustrated with this thing and actually would try and put the ball off the backboard to teammates to try and reset the clock because he just didn't get the concept of it, right? And just what happened in that gym? I'm standing there today, and I'm just like, you know that great line from Field of Dreams, James Earl Jones, you know, the history will be so thick you'll have to brush it away from your face. That's what I was feeling in that building. Well, some other things. Again, I want to give away the whole story here that I'm working on. But, like, man, sports changed in this gym, yet there's no acknowledgement of To this day, you have to know. Somebody has to tell you what happened in that room. There's no plaque. There's no historic notification. There, it's. I I believe there. And again, uh, details in the story to come. But I can tell you, like, there is a real ambition over there at that school to make that a historic landmark for what that can do for a number of things. And I'm just standing there, like. How could there not even be a plaque? How could there even be a recognition of what happened in this room? And look, there is currently more details on this to come too, but you may recall that I wrote about it and discussed on this show a few months ago about a mural that was going to be proposed to be painted downtown. And there was a little bit of controversy with it because um, COVID money, right? It was COVID money and They were throwing COVID money around, and some people are like, well, I don't think we should be spending COVID money, COVID relief money on a mural. And I came on the radio, and I said, okay, they might have a point, but can we figure out how to make this work? Because this is a great idea. 
because I am always an advocate of celebrating the past, knowing where you came from, and, and having that physically represented. I mean, think how strongly I pushed to get numbers retired at Syracuse for female athletes. I'm constantly, and they still haven't done this. I love my friends at the Syracuse Crunch, but they don't put enough retired jerseys in that building in acknowledgement of Syracuse's rich history. I can't go in that arena and know that they film Slapshot in there unless somebody tells me. No, put it up there. And they've got some great pictures. And, you know, when you walk through the hallways of the War Memorial, there's great there's kind of mini murals of concerts and things that have taken place there. So it's gotten better. Don't get me wrong. Syracuse has gotten better at this, putting up more banners and acknowledging their, you know, the past. Because those things tell stories. I think those things are important to do. So thankfully, and I mean, I played a very small role in this. I just connected to people via the radio in the public forum that it is. That mural is being painted and is going to be done in a couple of weeks. There's actually a ceremony coming up in downtown Syracuse in a couple of weeks. And you're going to have some historic basketball figures in this town where basketball means everything. Every day, someone's going to walk by that and look at that and have a physical manifestation of what it means to this city and it means to this community. That's great. I'm glad we made progress there. So I, I kind of found a new mission today, and I'm sure I'll find ways to incorporate it here on the radio show as well. And again, I'm going to write about this. Come on, it's going to take me a few days to put together because it's, you know, it's it's quite a project in a lot of ways. And it's going to, again, I want to give everything away here, but it's going to spawn, I think, a bigger story, a story within the story, if you will. But Man, for the love of God, in that gym, basketball changed. The sports world changed. There's always changes and innovations and you move forward. But the NBA as we know it today was dramatically, I'll say it, saved in that gym. And you would never know it unless somebody brought you in that room and said, this is where it took place. In an old gym that is in dire need of an update and is in dire need of, you know, a lot of things, frankly, which I'll be writing about here and coming up. But I feel like we don't tell these stories enough. We don't pass down these stories enough. It's easy enough to look up. You can Google it right now and you can fall in a wormhole and get into these stories. But I don't know, something just gets lost from generation to generation. And right down the street from where I sit right now is that is that shot clock that constantly counts down and is a great monument and is a great reminder of the rich history of basketball in this city. And, and right down the street is where the Syracuse Nationals played. They played in the armory. But we're talking about the 1950s, and the more people that can tell you these stories and can make you feel it and know it that pass on, and it just becomes like a, you know, a digital representation or a YouTube clip or a story. It doesn't quite feel the same. So hopefully we can make people feel what this means a little more. At the very least, can we acknowledge what happened in that room and then go from there about what can be done about it? And I feel like the NBA should know about this. You know, the NBA and its supposed 75th anniversary, which that's a whole different topic for a different day, is Mike Waters did a great job documenting recently. It's not the 75th anniversary of the NBA. This whole thing is a lie. This whole thing is predicated on false information. It is not the 75th anniversary of the league, but, you know, the NBA just wanted to do it their way, and, you know, here we are. And they're a powerful entity, so if they say it's their 75th anniversary, then, you know, I guess everybody has to, you know, believe that with a wink and a nod, but it's not. 
But what I do know unequivocally is the NBA, 75 years old or however old it is, would not be what it is with, without what happened in that gym, without that shot clock experiment that took place. Red Arbeck, amongst others, in that room. Think of what could have happened if they said, no, that's not. I think eventually a shot clock or something to speed up the game would have been implemented, right? But it happened here. It happened with people from Syracuse. It happened with people that, you know, had personal interests in mind. You know, the Nationals just wanted the game to move faster because it benefited them. They put in the shot clock. They play Fort Wayne. Yeah, there was an NBA team in Fort Wayne, Indiana, too, in the 1955 NBA championship. And it was, you know documentaries and stories have been written about this, but it was the true first NBA Finals that showed, whoa, hold on, this game can be a lot better than it is. That came from what happened in that gym on the west side of Syracuse, which, again, you could drive by it 500 times. You could drive by that school every day and until someone makes you aware of it, right? You wouldn't know, and I think people need to be aware of it. So more to come on that, but I also sat there wondering, like, am I the only one? I shouldn't say I'm the only one because plenty of people do, but do enough people, like, recognize that and care about that and appreciate that, about what that innovation meant to sports, what that innovation meant to the city, what that innovation meant to a number of people. There are certain things that are timeless, right, that last through generations and you know, I was just at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this weekend. And when you go to halls of fame and you go to things that take you through those halls of history, you're like, man, this like this is this means something. This should be more than just something I walk by in a museum. Like that, it's got to hit home a little bit more. So I think some steps have been made there, for sure. I talked about the mural that's being painted, and I think that's next. Now, I got to get to a break here and keep the conversation going. But in doing some research for this, I go back and I read uh, the great Sean Kirst wrote about this in 1994 in a different way. And, but certainly some of the details remain central to the story. And, and there's been no progress since then. <laughs> there's been nothing. Everything he noted in that story about no acknowledgement about what has happened in that gym, it still hasn't happened. And I'm just looking around like, wait a minute. No. How is this happening? How is this possible? So, I don't know. Well, maybe my efforts will be fruitless too, but uh, I hope they aren't. I hope just by even discussing this, getting some brains going on this, as we did in some other instances that I brought up, that, you know, at the very least, some progress gets made in acknowledging what happened there, and some progress happens in, in some much more important and bigger ways in life. But uh, more to come on that. So, there you go. That's just what was on my mind today. I got invited over there to take a look, uh, a listener of the show, shout out to Paul, who works over there at the Blodgett School, the Syracuse STEM School and he, at, at Blodgett uh, Middle School, and he said, hey, why don't you come take a look at this, because we want to get the word out about this. We want to let the NBA know during the NBA Finals. We want to let people know what happened here in this gym, and then you walk in the gym, and you're like, yeah, this deserves better. That was my. I walked in that room, and I said, oh, boy, we, you deserve better than this. Let's see what we can do about that. So there you go. That's what was on my mind today. Something a little different, but something I wanted to share with you as well. We need to break on then. No, we will come back and keep the conversation going. We can certainly discuss that a little bit more. Got some football news to get into. JJ is going to join us later in the show. We'll hit the blind side, hot takes, 
we've got a mixed bag of stuff. I want to get into the the golf stuff next because it's it just really comes down to this. How much money do you really need? Right? This is America. You can make as much money as they're willing to pay you, but I still think the question has to be asked. Good lead into what happened on the market today, right? Let's see what happened on those on those markets today. Our friends at Lee Baldwin and Company are here to tell us about that. And we've got Lee himself, ladies and gentlemen, to tell us that story on this Tuesday, June the 7th. Lee, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well, and it was a good story on the market. That's maybe why I'm on today, but uh, stock staged a nice comeback. They were down about 300 points to uh, kick off the session, but finished uh, up 264 points, so that's a 500-plus turnaround. And our diamonds are, unfortunately, ExxonMobil and Chevron, both up significantly, uh, but that's probably due to crude being over $120 per barrel. And the dog goes to Cracker Barrel. Roll down five percent. So, Lee, you gotta give me tell a chicken you. steak. Give <laughs> me is, a chicken steak. What is that? that chicken fried steak? Like I, that's like a heart attack on a plate. So I stay away from uh, that. I gotta tell you, gravy. man. I, it wasn't this recent road trip I went on, but another road trip I went on and hadn't been to the Cracker Barrel for a while. I stopped into the Cracker Barrel, and I can I can see I can see why the stock is down. I'm just, I'm, oh, I'm just gonna say that tough. I'm tough. Uh, the gift shop was very lovely, but uh, I'll just leave it at that. I'll just leave it at All stop right. down. I'll just say that. <laughs> On your way to Fort Wayne, you stopped at exactly. the Cracker Barrel. Go to see uh, the. See the old Fort Wayne Pistons take on the Syracuse Nationals in <laughs> basketball action. Thank you, sir. Talk All to you right. Soon. Thanks, Brett. There he goes. Yeah, I f- shame on me for not doing some of that segment in old-timey radio voice guy. Oh, yes, the Syracuse Nationals basketball squad taking on the Fort Wayne Pistons here in a game where we'll have to climb the ladders and get the ball out of the peach basket. Stay right there, Rebecca. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Play ball! CNYRealtor.com is a proud supporter of Yankees coverage on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Oh! We're having fun. I'm just explaining to the youngins during the break, Paulie and I... Because the term was brought up to me earlier. I, I, I was seeking a phone number from Jordan, and he informed me to use the long-distance number. And I said, wait a second. You're talking to somebody who long-distance means something. Like, I had a friend of mine who lived in Florida, and when I would call said friend, I would have to keep it short because the long-distance bill would be too much, whereas now that's not a thing, right? And as... Uh, Ryan pointed out in our Q Sports Talk chat that our youngins here, Jordan included, have never had to not put in the area code. We used to be able to make phone calls, and you didn't have to put in the area code, right? You would just call, your, and I have my old home phone number in mind, and we remembered phone numbers. We had to write down phone numbers. It was a different people. We had you know little black books as opposed to everything digitally, right? But the look on their face about 
having to put in the area code. Like, they didn't know that hasn't always been a thing. So anyway, we have fun during the Q Sports Talk breaks, reminding the youngins. That used to be back in our day, right? But that's the beauty of QSportsTalk.com. It's not just about back in our day. It's a mix of modern and old technology. Modern technology to watch a show, but old technology. And, you know, chat rooms have been around for a while, but they're back, including our chat room, which is active with criticisms right now. So it was five years ago that happened. Okay, we were wondering when that came into play, when you had, you had to put in the area code for the phone number. As Kevin Liverpool, one of our regulars in the Q Sports Talk chat, says here, I uh, had the original car phone and my bill was in the hundreds. Oh, yeah. My dad was an early adapter of that. It was, it was like this, it was this big and it was like the bag phone, right? And man, if you had that, you were, you were just, who was cooler than that, right? But that's all you could do was call people on it. And hindsight being 2020, like, you're an idiot if you did because you're calling people from this bag phone and it was like $7 a minute, <laughs> right? Like, how, how cool are you actually when you're calling people from something that's going to bankrupt you? Anyway, I'll get off this rant. But uh, Oh, the kids. The kids. They just don't know. They just don't know. If you know, you know, right? And they don't know. Okay. Here's what I know. It's list magazine preview season, right? And some interesting nuggets starting to get out there as we get towards college football season. That Phil Steele college football preview is going to be hitting the stands pretty soon. If it hasn't already, I bet you it might actually be at the, some of your local uh, Barnes and Noble. See, kids, uh, that's another thing. Uh, we didn't have all these fancy websites back in the day. We'd have to buy like seven preview magazines and live with that outdated information until the football season started. But anyway, uh, we don't have to do that th these days. A couple of things that caught my eye today. I'm a big fan of Bill Connolly, as I'm sure many of you are listening, college football, ESPN, and he has his ACC preview out. And as part of that, I, I, you know, I don't want to read the whole thing to you here. It's not story time with Uncle Brent. But let me just go through a couple of interesting projections, see if these line up for you. Because remember, when this started you know, really kicking in, what we have to be on the lookout for, and what I've told you to be on the lookout for, and if you see something that stands out, make sure you let Uncle Brent know. But I think generally the vibe on Syracuse is going to be they're going to be picked to finish, if not last, second to last in the Atlantic Division. They're generally going to be, hey, that Sean Tucker's pretty good, but a lot of question marks elsewhere. I think they'll recognize some individual talent. I think there was eight players on the Athlon Sports, uh, all preseason teams, right? I think they recognize, like, hey, Sean Tucker, Garrett Williams, Deuce Chestnut, Mikel Jones, right? I'm leaving some names out here, but there's pockets of talent that shine, but overall, can Syracuse make that next step with this tough schedule they have? And I think the narrative is going to set in on Syracuse. If you want to be different, pick Syracuse to be good. If you want to stand out, and I'm not saying do this just to do this, but if you want to take a bold step here, because these predictions never line up the way that you know they tend to, especially when you have months to kind of talk yourself into a narrative. You want to be bold and stand out and be an I told you so six months from now if it happens, be like, yeah, Syracuse is going to win eight games this year, despite the tough schedule and some of the, the 
um, roadblocks in their way here. Uh, Bill did not do that. So let me just uh, give you a couple things here from his excellent ACC Atlantic preview, which you can read today. His, so if you're familiar with Bill's SP plus system, it's kind of a, a formula, if you will. And I like it because it's not, it doesn't take into account a lot of emotional things. It just kind of runs the numbers and tells you what these teams are like black and white, which, you know, there's emotions in sports, there's coaching changes in sports, there's intangibles in sports, but I do like his system. S&P ranking for Syracuse is 57, 70 on offense, 45 for defense, which I think was interesting because there's so much focus on the Syracuse offense. Schrader, Tucker, can they continue that? Robert and I, Jason Beck coming in to flip the script on the offense. The, all the stand, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of the standout players are on defense. I mentioned some of the names, right? But the defensive line is going to need so much how can I put this improvement or so there's got to be some surprises on the defensive line because they lost a ton of production from last year. Can they, you know, really step up here with and, and help out a great linebacking core. That's got Mikel Jones and Stephon Thompson and some returning guys. We mentioned the secondary loaded for this team, right? So that's what the rankings are. He puts Syracuse's bowl odds. You want to take a shot at this? I'll just go through the other teams in the Atlantic here. Clemson, 100%. NC State, 98%. Florida State, 92%. This is bowl odds now. Louisville, 64%. Wake Forest, 86%. Where do you think he puts Syracuse's bowl percentage? If you said 45%, come on down. Here's what he says about Syracuse. See if this vibes with what you're thinking about Syracuse this year. And again, this is based on his, you can read up about his S&P percentage. After winning 10 games in 2018, Dino Babers Orange fell to 5-7 and seven in 2019, then disintegrated to 1-10 and 10 in 111th in SP Plus in 2020. The defense went from mediocre to bad. The offense from bad to horrendous. In 2021, things rebounded to 2019 levels. The offense stayed on schedule slightly better thanks to freshman running back Sean Tucker, who had 1,751 rushing and receiving yards, 14 touchdowns. The passing game still offered next to nothing, but Tucker's emergence helped to poke the orange past 30 points on four occasions. That really stood out to me. As bad as that offense was, and I think in a lot of ways it was, they scored 30 or more points four times pretty much on Tucker's back. Now, Garrett Schrader had a lot to do with that in terms of running the football, but essentially without a passing game, they topped 30 points four times. And they brought in two coaches that if they can just get Schrader to a manageable level and improve the passing game to be a factor and take pressure off Tucker, think how many times, in theory, with that improvement, you score 30 or more points. Now, again, the backdrop there is tougher schedule. A lot of great quarterbacks on the schedule. They're going to need to improve that number to keep pace with some of these teams they're playing on the offensive side of the ball. But I thought that was a really interesting nugget there uh, from Bill. So you can read his whole ACC preview, what he said about Sean Tucker in the top 10 favorite players category. As opposing defenses quickly learned, they had to worry about only Tucker last year when playing the Orange, and he still 
rushed for 100-plus yards nine times and averaged six yards a carry. So can you see the importance here of can you take some pressure off this guy, get a functioning, respectable passing game going? And if that's Garrett Schrader, if that's another name in that room, and they brought in a couple guys to compete with Schrader, does that equal one win? They've got to get one win. Five and seven last year, get the six wins this year, and while that won't satisfy some people, that's by and large an accepted, let's keep the Dino Babers era pass going, right? You're really, and if it's more than one, great. Like that guy at that table says the meme, prove me wrong that it's going to be more than than one more win, but that's essentially what you're in search of here. The baseline of six wins, keep this thing going. Thanks, Brent. You're welcome, Coach. Let's switch gears, talk some New York sports when we come back because there's a lot happening on that front. The Yankees are the best team in baseball. The Mets are the best team in the National League. The Rangers could go to the Stanley Cup final. It's a great time to be Say John Jastrzemski talking New York sports on the New York, New York podcast. The Syracuse alum joins us next. Stay right there.